Welcome to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, we are live streaming this year on Saturday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we do all of the time. Yes, grumpy. Stop. Stop. First of all, it was not 5 p.m. It was like 5.02 because you were late again. Okay, so don't try to. I don't want the people thinking that you know it's five o'clock. It's five o two. And here's the thing: anytime I'm here, fifteen minutes early, and I get complaints that I'm not ready. All I know is you didn't start the podcast on time. Okay, because you didn't <laughs> look pretty or whatever. Let me tell you something: we're seeing an awful lot of skull from you today. I suggest you put on some type of pancake makeup. You look like Casper the Friendly Ghost over there. You're so white. I'm going to use a callback to our podcast last week or a live stream last week, Grumpy Old Man. I need to beat my face. I think, you know, that's that's everything's coming in full circle now. That's right. You see, see, look at me. You see my, my see the, the color of my skin? It looks like I'm alive. You look like a cadaver. <laughs> well, Grumpy Old Man, I guess I need to start getting outside a little more often. I will say, Grumpy, we do not have the budget to have a professional um, – makeup artist there on the show to help use up uh or uh i guess make a pretty my face up grumpy old man maybe you should have like an old white background and make your face look a little have a look have a little bit of color to it <laughs> and Paige, i know is <laughs> she's having a conniption down there uh grumpy old man but it's interesting we got some nhl news which always makes me happy um but I do want to go ahead and bring in Paige. She has our, well, my favorite segment. I know a fan favorite, definitely, which is Stump the Grump. So we're going to bring Paige in here real quick here to hopefully stump myself and you when she goes ahead and brings up dialect that is used in, I guess, amongst the younger generations, Grumpy Old Man. And you and I have the tough and tall task of trying to decipher what it means. Okay. Hold on. How old are you? How old am I? Grumpy, I'm 27. You are part of the younger generation. (laughs) <laughs> even though I am part of the younger generation grumpy, I still don't, I don't use a dialect that majority of the younger generation uses. Okay. Okay. That I'll give you. <laughs> Let's go ahead and bring in Paige. Hey Paige. How are you? I just first want to say I'm a little insulted that you claim we don't have a makeup artist. Like I don't do my makeup or you somehow are not impressed by my makeup skills. So yes. And for those who don't know, Paige is TJ's fiance. And look at she has color on her face. I have color in my face. I don't know what your problem is, buddy. I'm pale. I don't know what else to say, grumpy old man. I now, guess I was born the way I am. I do have a question. Now, Paige, usually I compliment you on what you wear. Um, yes. Today, what are you wearing? Like a black turtleneck? I'm wearing a black turtleneck, yes. Um, and you know, I think Paige should have some theme music. When she comes on in, uh, because she's wearing the black, like, doodly doo, doodly doo, doodly doo, doodly doo, doodly doo. Interesting. I was gonna go more Steve Jobs. Oh, see, I was gonna go Black Uncle Fester. Than Adam's family, but oh, I was gonna go Uncle Fester. Can you put a light bulb in your mouth and see if it lights up? Uh, maybe a little bit later. And then I don't know what's going on with the top of your hair over there. See, what, I mean, I don't have these issues. I don't have enough hair where I can do funky stuff like that. But I mean, is that like your own hair on top or is it like a. Yeah, that's my own hair. It just wasn't cooperating in the front. So you just kind of put it up. Okay. I thought maybe. I wanted a few extra inches today. 
Okay, I thought maybe it was like a Princess Leia in homage to Princess Leia instead of having the two big headphones on the side, you just put one on top. I can do the two big headphones. Okay. I'll, I'll work on that for you. All right, thank you. Okay, <laughs> so I'll go into my word. The word today is bot. I know that. TJ, I'm going to let you... Uh, I'm going to let you take the first shot at it. Let's see. Go ahead. Add lib a little bit, TJ. Let's see if you can do that. Well, if I had to guess, Paige, can you share that word again here? Just so we got it up here. Bot. Bot. I want it to be held up the entire time. So well, bot. It kind of like doesn't help my complexion. <laughs> okay. You can put it down then. <laughs> bot. I, I'm just going to say that's like a computer bot. Like as you're playing video games or something like that, like it's a bot, like an NPC a non or a non-player. Okay, that's your answer? That's my answer, Grumpy. It's not very good, but I'm just guessing it's like a computer player in like a video game. What do you have for us, Grumpy? Well, I was going to say it was also something like if you ever try to go onto a website and they want to make sure that you're not a bot, a robot, mm -hmm. uh, uh-oh, Paige is shaking her head no. So I'm going to say we're probably wrong. Maybe it's like short for botanical garden or something. Probably not. But uh, I, I, that's what I would pick. It says like, you know, hey, pick out – all the little pictures to show that you're not, uh, you know, all the pictures of a traffic light in these collage of things, so you're not a bot, so or a robot. And I was going to do bot. Was that correct, Paige? Uh, yeah. The term of robot, yes, but the context of it, no. And I, you know, here's the thing: can you use it in a sentence? Because we didn't even have it in a sentence today. So she's hot, but she's a bot. She's fake. Yeah, that's what I think too. She's probably, maybe she's got a stunt rack or something like that, <laughs> or she's had some type of surgery to make herself look better. Um, either that or she's just really stupid. You're closer there, actually. Yeah, that's what okay, I'm It's talking. a person of little personality. So, so a robot. Just kind so of you like could say that about TJ then, could you? Possibly. Oh, grumpy. TJ, there he is, that one. Just because your flamboyant personality trumps mine every once in a while doesn't mean I have no personality, grumpy old man. I didn't say you had no personality. I just said one of limited personality. Very limited personality. That, wow. was, in, that was in the description of what Paige said. Mm -hmm. She didn't say no personality. She had said almost no personality. So I guess that's you. <laughs> A grumpy old man. Uh, up to it again, as always. I'll tell you, Paige, you, you threw definitely myself and Grumpy for a loop. Now, that is the second week in a row we have been, I guess, somewhere close, but nowhere close in the same token. I feel like these are words that, like, you can reason through them. And, like, you're on the right track, but they're using such a specific scenario. It's a little more difficult. All I have to say is if I have to think about a three-letter word and the definition of how it's used, it's the wrong word to use. <laughs> my time is more valuable than that the grumpy old man's time is way more valuable than that maybe these millennials i mean are we talking about millennials or is there some new name for young it's a new people? name gen z gen z they sound like losers to me um but let's see so gen z's i mean obviously they don't have lives i mean well you have to like i said again anytime that you have to change something from an existing word or hey let's try to sound cool you know, like instead of saying, what's up, let's say sup, you know, something like that. 
Grumpy, I, I'm going to tell you one thing. I think I'm pretty sure a lot of the Gen Zers think you might sound like a loser sometimes too, Grump. But yeah, I, you know, don't th don't cast stones is what I like to say, Grumpy old man. It's, first of all, don't throw stones. Okay? Don't cast stones. That's a biblical term, Grumpy. You should know that. Anyway, I want to go ahead and thank Paige for being a part of Stump the Grump. She definitely stumped myself and definitely stumped the grumpy old man this week. So she's doing her job. We're going to keep around for another week. <laughs> Why, thank you. And y'all have fun sharing this uh, NHL news. Oh, make, make sure you say hello to Gomez and Morticia. Oh, I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Um, I really you know, thought you were going to choose. Hold on. You know you cut Paige off again, right? When she you know, I do that I do that every single live stream, and it's not on purpose. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you this much, grumpy old man. I really thought you were going to go to the Steve Jobs look. She had that long black turtleneck on and everything. So I thought you were going to go Steve Jobs. I, I'll be honest with you, grumpy old man. I have never seen the Adams family. I'm not shocked. Um, there's a uh, – a channel on, I don't know if you have direct TV, it's called Family Entertainment TV, and they actually show old Adams Family episodes. You should look at it. Look up Uncle Fester. All you have to do is punch it into the Google machine and say, put up Uncle Fester, and you're going to see who it is. Um, I know I know who Uncle Fester is, Grumpy Old Man. I just, I can't say I've honestly watched the Adams Family, and I don't have I don't have TV or anything like that, Grumpy Old Man. I, we stream everything. I'll watch it. I'll have Netflix and I watch mostly sports, but other than that, I really don't have much of a need for television. And I decided to go old school with Uncle Fester. That's like from the 1960s. That's old school. <laughs> I used to watch that TV show. It used to be, you know, they'd have that and the Munsters back to back on old WPIX Channel 11 in New York. Uh, and we used to watch that every day after school, you know, do our homework and watch the Munsters and the Adams family. It was, it was good, good stuff. See, I just grew up a little differently. We watched Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! after school work. But uh, I'm sure you don't know too much about that. Maybe Pokemon, but I, I'm sure not Yu-Gi-Oh! Grumpy old man. I've heard of them. I'm up to date on all the new fashion lingo. That's it. That's it, Grumpy. We do have some NHL news, though, which is good. Um, the uh, Well, not just specifically the Islanders, but the NHL is planning on having a start back to actual play. In mid-January, they're planning for a 52- to 56-game season, which is good news. Um, and, again, they think it's going to be starting back up mid-January. Grumpy, initial reactions? Uh, I think that's really good news for Islander fans and for the Islanders, honestly. A shorter season is definitely the way to go. Um, for us, uh, you know, as an older team, last year we kind of ran out of gas right in that range. Uh, well, but I – I'm about to say, Grumpy Old Man, I think it's great news for the Islanders, especially for the way our roster is currently constituted. We're one of the older teams in the NHL, and to have a, a shortened season I think is beneficial for us. Also, Grumpy, I think some news that you won't like and certain members who listen to our live stream and podcast won't like, I think this also bodes for an argument as to why younger players will have less opportunities to be broken in this season as compared to prior seasons. When you only have a 52-game or a 56-game regular season as opposed to an 82-game regular season, those games that you lose in close contested games are magnified. So you really can't afford to have mistakes cost you games. You know what I think? I have a new theory about how the coronavirus came into effect. It's Lou Lamarillo who invented it. 
So this way, he didn't have to play any young players over a two-year period of time <laughs> before he's forced into retirement because he can't do the job anymore. Uh, so that's why he invented coronavirus. He's been spreading it throughout all the countries of the world um, because he doesn't want to play any of those young guys. Is that grumpy? Okay, that's the 100% scientific conclusion, correct? Yeah, I believe so, yes. No, not being facetious at all. No. No, I wouldn't put it. I mean, he's got a lot of power, man. He's got a lot of pull. What can I tell you? I, I mean, I don't deny that. He could do anything and he wouldn't get penalized for it. Coronavirus, hey, it's okay. It's Lou Lamarillo. He knew what he was doing. I will say this, grumpy old man. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you on the coronavirus invention via Lou Lamarillo in the evil laboratory. I will tell you this much, though, grumpy old man. Um, I, I do think this this bodes for reasoning as to why the Islanders will continue to say, yes, this season, we need to have those guys that we trust. We need to have those guys that are consistent. Um, I will tell you this much, Grumpy. I don't necessarily disagree with that rationale for this season. I, I usually like to slowly integrate the younger guys in. I am a big fan of it. In the same token, though, when every game is going to be a little bit more important than they have in years past, you really have to – you really have to make sure those younger players are ready when they step in. I, I still think Kiefer Bellows deserves a chance. I just think for younger players who don't have a lot of experience, like your Oliver Wallstroms, like your Otto Koivlas, I think taking a chance, or even like your Simon Holmstroms, I think taking a chance and calling those players up or even – it's it's more risky. Simon Holmstrom? He's not close to being an NHL player. Well, Grumpy, there is a reason I mentioned Simon Holmstrom's name. I will bring it up later in the podcast, Grumpy Old Man. There's a reason I mentioned his name, and I know it's going to set you off. But I, I mentioned his name for a reason, Grumpy. I'll wait for later. <laughs> Is it because he sucks? <laughs> no. Oh, stop, Grumpy. You can't be already at that point of childish pedanticness this early in a podcast. Childish pedanticness. Okay. I don't even know if pedanticness is a word. I know it's pedantic probably, is a It's probably not. It probably isn't. Uh, <laughs> well, Grumpy Old Man, um, I will tell you. I think this does bode for the reason to rely more heavily upon veterans this season than in years past. I really do. A shortened season like this, um, it means that you know those older players, their legs aren't going to go as quick as they used to because there's going to be less games in the regular season. So ideally, even with a very, very large playoff run, you're going to be looking tops maybe at 80-some-odd games this year for teams. Well, um the only thing that I have to say to that, it depends on how condensed the schedule is, honestly. I mean, if you're out there every other day or if you're playing four times a week, uh, that's going to be an issue uh, for our team. Hopefully that won't be the case, and maybe the 52 to 56 games will help out. I don't know how that breaks out to how it usually is. Usually we start October 1st, so I don't know where we are in the middle of January games-wise. It seems like we should be a little bit, uh, further ahead than that pace, so I think I think that it won't be an extremely like condensed season, Grumpy. I think it will be condensed to a certain extent because remember, right? We've missed almost three months or maybe two and a half with that October or early October start date. And if we're going to be starting in you know mid January, that's you know two and a half three months. Um, so I think we are going to be seeing a little bit perhaps of a condensed schedule, not. Very radical, though, grumpy old man. So you still do have time, I guess you could say, towards the end of the season where your players will be healthier, ideally. You're going to have less games played. 
So, you know, the bumps and the bruises and the nagging injuries don't really have a chance to escalate as significantly as they do in a usual NHL season. Yeah, I guess I guess my point was that if we're if you're playing like a lot of like a back to back every week and you're playing four games in seven days, that's going to take its toll on the older teams. Absolutely. Um, But I will say I think it bodes well for for the Islanders because we usually come out of the gate hot. And well, not even grumpy old man that we come out of the gate hot. Remember, the Islanders historically have been very successful on the second end of back to back scenarios under Barry Trotz. They just have. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to continue that pace with again as a team gets older and if this is a more condensed schedule. I'm just saying, based off of initial takes, I think this is good news for the Islanders, especially if you're going to have a lot of those back-to-back situations. I think it does increase the likeliness of you know nagging injuries, but in the same token, we are usually very successful in the second end of back-to-back situations. Yeah, I I don't know how that's going to hold. Like I said, I'm I'm more condensed. I'm more worried about condensing a whole lot of games in a short period of time. That's my concern. And here's another thing: Brock Nelson's probably going to be. 30 points or 40 points off. What, what did he score last year? I don't even know. It was it was 60. I think it was around 60 or 60 plus, right around that area. Okay, so we t- if we take take off uh, Croctober, uh, then you know <laughs> it's then it's Bro- it's Brocktober, not Croctober. Brocktober, Grumpy. Come on, you at least have to give him that. It's Brocktober. I figure he'll be lucky to have 15 points, maybe 17 this year. Oh, Grumpy old man, I'll tell you. Brock Nelson was very consistent throughout the majority of the season last year. So I, I don't expect to see anything too crazy regarding uh, production slippage just because we're not going to have Brocktober. Well, but he's always good in October. He always is. No, he most certainly is. But I'm just saying last season he performed well across the board every single month. It wasn't like he just had an uncharacteristically hot October like he had in the past and then tailed and tapered off. That wasn't the case last season or really even the year before. No, we had a really I thought I think he's been really good the last two Octobers. Really good. So he's he's been good multiple Octobers. I'm saying the reason they called it Brocktober was because he was really good in October and then kind of tapered off. Otherwise it'd just be his normal play. Well, long story short, he doesn't have Croctober to help him out this year. Grumpy old man. Oh my goodness. I will and say the good thing is we will we'll also won't see Bailey go 76 games without scoring a point. Because it's only going to be like a fifty-two to fifty-six game year. I've I've never seen someone throw so much hate, Grumpy. I'm going to have to ask you. You got to. I want to see some cheeriness out of you, Grumpy old man. This is good news for the Islanders. I don't know why you're throwing so. I don't know why you're throwing so much shade at our players today. And maybe 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 average Anders will score five goals next year. Oh, Grumpy! Maybe. Stop, Grumpy Old Man. He, he, you know, his production wasn't what we had expected or wanted as Islander fans last season. That, that is- being said, that being said, Grumpy Old Man, I think again with a shortened season, you can't have time periods when you get into a lull. The Islanders usually start very, very quickly. At least they did last season. Uh, and again, that was that. I think it was twenty games or twenty-one games where we, where we at least received a point or more out of twenty or twenty-one straight games. So if you're able to, to at least incorporate something like that into your regular season, you're almost guaranteed a playoff spot, especially yeah, you, in the condensed schedule that we have this year. Absolutely. You're going to have to come out. You're going to hit the, have to hit the ground running, honestly, uh, without a doubt. Because And the teams that don't, they can find themselves looking on the outside of the playoff picture very early. 
on the outside looking in, certainly, grumpy old man. And I'll tell you, it is it's pertinent that you don't fall into a lull because if you you know slip and have like a bad ten game streak, that could that can ultimately knock you out of playoff picture. I mean, 10 games is now 20% of the season or just about 20% of the season. So, I mean, having a miss, a mishap for really two and a half, three weeks or even a bad month, I mean, that could single-handedly remove you from the playoff picture, certainly, grumpy old man. Yeah, absolutely. The teams that are more consistent and have less uh, zigzags and the way that their style of play are going to benefit in this short amount of time. Absolutely. And, I'm, and I think it's going to benefit us coming out of the gate. I think the Islanders are going to come off and we're going to do really well. I just do. Most certainly grumpy old man. I do agree with you here. We have a comment here from Scott Levy. He says, I think both Bellis and Wallstrom both deserve to get a shot in making the Islanders. Um, but I get the feeling that Islander fans think Wallstrom is getting the spot over Bellis. I think Bellis should get it because he has more pro experience. Unless Wallstrom has an unreal camp, I think Bellows, it's Bellows' spot to lose. Um, grumpy old man, I i look at it like this. I think Bellows should be afforded the opportunity more than Wallstrom will. As to what happens, your guess is as good as mine, Grumpy. Yeah, I'm going to say Bellows over Wallstrom at this point in time, only because he, because he plays a more solid two-way game. And that's still a struggle for Oliver Wallstrom. So I think his thing, just knowing how this particular organization feels and thinks about young players, if you can't be consistent and play a solid defensive game, you're not going to play. And I think that's going to hurt Wallstrom. As I've said before, Wayne Gretzky would never would have played for this team, ever. Oh, stop. I, you're, you're, being, you're being a little hyperbolic, grumpy old man. Absolutely not. Mike Fossey, never. Never, never would have played for this team. He didn't play enough defense for their liking. He would have been a fourth line grinder. We're gonna, we are gonna make you play defense. I don't care if you score seventy goals a year. We're gonna have you score ten goals a year and play solid defense. That's what <laughs> grumpy old man. That's a little much. I, I will tell you this much, grumpy. There was something, and I mentioned a little earlier that I saw by NHL.com. They released the top five Islander prospects to look at for this season. Grumpy old man. And there's a reason I mentioned Simon Holmstrom's name. So they went down the list, grumpy old man. Number one prospect for the Islanders, I had no argument with. No adoption. Right, grumpy old man? You would agree with that. Absolutely. Was it, is it how did they how did they make this determination? Guys who haven't uh, played a full year, or how does it or grumpy? It was just players who really were not part of the equation last year for the Islanders. So the number two on their list was Ia Sorokin as the number two Islander prospect going into this season. Okay. I agree with that one also. Um, number three, grumpy old man, was Oliver Wallstrom. Well, he's got more potential to be a goal scorer than anybody else we have in the organization, for certain. Most certainly. And again, they said, and underneath, and I'll backtrack here a little bit, underneath every single one of these players, they had a little bit of a synopsis of what they've done, what their AHL or prior season's experience is, and, why, and when they think that that particular player will be ready to actually make an impact. So for Noah Dobson, for Ia uh, Sorokin, as well as Oliver Wallstrom, they all put them down as NHL ready. And now, grumpy old man, you will get a kick out of this. Number four on this list by NHL.com was Simon Holmstrom. Simon Holmstrom, grumpy old man, and they put him down as NHL ready this next season. 
He sucks. Maybe I misread it. I think, if I do recall correctly, he was NHL ready this next season. He's never. He's not NHL ready. He's okay. He wasn't. He wasn't even good enough to play in the. Okay, he was playing in the Swedish league, right? This off season. I I can't remember off the top of my head. He only played ten or twelve games. I think it was a Swedish or Finnish league. I I can't recall off the top of my head. Grumpy. And he was nondescript. Had two points. That's like the AA. Not that's like a poor man's AHL. The, their pro league over there. I mean, let's be honest, right? And he didn't shine there. He's not ready. He he's, he's first of all, he's a bust. When you pick him in the first round, he's like a second or third round talent. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. I expect him to be hurt again this year because that's just the way he's been his whole career. So I don't expect anything of Simon Wallstrom or John. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said Simon Wallstrom. You meant to say Simon Holmstrom, grumpy old man. Okay, yes. Like I said, he's not even good enough for me to remember his name. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to call him from now on Josh Bailey 2.0 because that's what he is. I will I will tell you this much, grumpy. I'm not going to say Simon Holmstrom won't pan out like you have been claiming from the rooftops for, I want to say, as soon as he was drafted, which was a little premature, in my opinion, grumpy old man. That being said, uh, yes, Simon Holmstrom did play in a Swedish elite league here to start the season off. Didn't necessarily get off to a hot start. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with the number four spot, but again, everything gets muddled. I think the Islanders have a clear top three and I think it's in the particular order NHL.com gave it to us, so no issues there. Um, to say that Simon Holmstrom would be NHL-ready, if I recall this correctly, this season, I that's in question. Um, and then number five, grumpy old man, was Kiefer Bellows, who they also said was NHL-ready. Again, I think Kiefer Bellows is much more NHL-ready than Simon Holmstrom. I don't think Holmstrom is ready, even with another year in Bridgeport. I still think he needs time to develop after that. Remember, he's still young. He's not even 20 years old. And the way our team and our organization introduces younger players and rookies to the NHL is at a very slow rate. It's not like it's an accelerated rate. So I don't think Holmstrom's going to be seeing any time really next season. If we're healthy, no way. And even two years from now, I think he'll still be in, in Bridgeport. He's going to be in Bridgeport for another five years. He's like he's like the new Michael Del Cole, another bust. Oh. But he wasn't picked in the top five. So I mean, here's the thing: anytime that you overdraft guys and you reach for players in the first round, where the consensus is that they're you know bottom second rounders, and you're picking them in the first round, you've made a mistake. I mean, it just it just that's what it is. That was a bad draft. And I don't know if you want to bring up, you know, the fact that we're having Thursday of Thursday podcasts every. Uh, I, I'll correct you, Grumpy, because you sound like you're stammering. No, but we will be we will be producing podcasts every Thursday. Uh, grumpy old man, you're right there. I I forgot. Call it my mistake. We were supposed to be producing podcasts last Thursday. I had forgotten, so I will take blame for that one. But we will go back to producing podcasts twice a week here, and when the actual regular season starts. Grumpy, I'm not opposed to having two live streams a week there on Saturday as well as Thursday. It all just depends, or Saturday and Wednesday. It all depends on what our schedules look like, Grumpy Old Man. Um, but we will go back to producing two podcasts a week. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward more than anything to Islanders hockey. My God. I, with all the craziness that's been going around, I am more than elated to see some Islanders hockey back in action, Grumpy. Yeah, and I just, I just bring up 
because I know that we're going to uh, – a lot of people probably think, you know what, the grumpy old man just shows up off the street and they just start talking hockey, which usually is the case. But I know for the Thursday one that uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Islander draft history a little bit. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag or if you don't want me to do that. but No, grumpy, grumpy. You're, you're able to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag because, again, before the actual season starts – I mean, we don't want to be like we're grasping at information, just pumping out articles that have actual no sustenance to them where we're like, oh, Lou Lamarillo wore some rainbow-colored shoelaces today. That's not who we are, grumpy old man, um, especially not who you are. Uh, but, no, we will be talking more historical pieces here until at least training camp starts up, grumpy old man, just so we do have a little bit of content for you guys there on Thursdays. And just to let you know, the name of this podcast is probably going to be Lou Lamarillo, Lamarillo started the coronavirus. That's probably going to be what this one's called. I do have to. I do have to recant my statement, Grumpy. I went and pulled back up the article. I'm sorry. They say that Simon Holmstrom and Kiefer Bellows in these scenarios would be ready next season for their NHL debut. Um, again, I think that's still a little premature there for Holmstrom. I think he needs more than one year in Bridgeport, and with Kiefer Bellows. I think he's ready to, to get a chance there and an opportunity this year. I really do. Um, whether he'll be given an afford of that, can't say with 100% certainty, but it'll be interesting to see. What does that list tell you, though, for the most part? They have no earthly idea about who's actually valued on, <laughs> for the New York Islanders. I mean, like Simon Holmstrom is far away. I really do. I think there's no way, even with everything falls perfectly for him, there's no chance in hell. He's up with the Islanders next season. And every article that talks about Simon Holmes from every single one, you know, they make excuses for him being an absolute garbage player by saying, well, you know what? He's still young. He's still young. You know what? When, you know when they tell me that? Bust. That's what you're telling me. Bust. He's a bad I- Tommy, Tommy, Tommy points out here. Bellos made his debut already. Maybe I, I misspoke. I don't mean to say his debut. Now, see, this is what happens sometimes when TJ – TJ's always blaming my network when things go bad. But as you can see, TJ's po- – and that's really a good picture of him if you take a look at it. Um, it's true. I, I think what they're saying is that uh, Kiefer Bellows, is, he has a chance to stick with the Islanders and have a regular spot going forward. And that's that's yeah. what I meant to say. I had, again, Grumpy, last podcast I was having internet issues, and I think to this this podcast we might have a few up and downs. Who knows? But, yes, Grumpy Old Man, that's what I meant to say. I didn't mean to say debut. I meant to say more that he will be a uh, an everyday Islander. And, again, I, I don't even think that's the case there for Simon Holmstrom next season. Yeah, so absolutely not. I mean, I, I mean that, that, that's your five. I think there are other guys who are certainly, in my, in my mind, better prospects. Um, I, I'm going to look at some of the defensemen, right? Sebastian Ajo or uh, Grant Hutton or Samuel Bullduck. Those are the guys I'm looking for. I mean, I, our farm system is absolutely bereft of offensive talent. They don't believe in it in this organization. We don't want people to score. We want to win every game zero to zero, and hopefully their goaltender dies in a shootout. I mean, that's the only way we expect to win. I mean, we I'm don't glad you – I'm glad you clarified that we would score and beat them in shootout, Grumpy, because I thought you made a possible miss. <laughs> you misspoke in there to win zero zero, but I, <laughs> I but like I mean, your scenario. We don't we don't draft anybody with any offensive talent. I, I mean, it also also an entertainment industry. 
do you think people like seeing your team not never score? Yeah, and again, I, I'll tell you this much. Tommy says it, and I think he names it perfectly. Your Holmstrom needs a two healthy seasons of development there in Bridgeport. I, I agree. I'm talking about at least two seasons. There's no way he's going to be ready next year for Which, the NHL or for a normal job in the NHL. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I said he's five years from playing because <laughs> if you add up all the games that he's going to play, it'll probably be two healthy seasons out of five. <laughs> the, kids oh. the kids hurt all the time. Grumpy, and this is a comment here from Scott. I'll tell you this. We have always thought about just making this a podcast in itself. We've talked about this in the past, Grumpy Old Man, but we've talked about Brett Thompson and how he keeps a job. We talk about the difference when you're in Bridgeport, what's the most important thing, to instill the value of winning amongst prospects or to actually develop them? What's more important? And again, I think there's a fine line between everything. You need to develop the prospects. In the same token, you still want them to understand the importance of consistently winning. These are professional athletes. It's good to have and instill that, hey, even in Bridgeport, we're competitive every night. And when you get to the NHL, it's the same exact thing. There's no difference. Um, developing players, obviously, I think outweighs winning in Bridgeport a little bit more. But Scott says here, the way the Islanders develop players, Holmstrom will never see the NHL. They need to get rid of. The, they need to get rid themselves of Brett Thompson in Bridgeport and get a coach who can actually develop players. Um, yeah, I, I guess. who's in charge of Bridgeport? Who's in charge of Bridgeport? It's Lou's hack son. That's who. <laughs> Chris Chris Lamarillo. Chris Lackey Lamarillo. We'll just Chris. call him Lackey Lamarillo. He lacks talent. Chris Lamarillo is the general manager there at the bridge for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, grumpy old man. And again, here's here's my here's my slant on it. Every year we sign a whole bunch of 30 plus somethings to fill out the roster in the NHL and the of the AHL. And those guys get the lion's share of playing time. It's not – I don't know. I, it makes no sense. Organizationally, it's just dumb. You're there to develop for the NHL. I don't care if they contend for the Calder Cup. I don't care if they make the playoffs. It's about getting the young guys, the guys who can actually help your team in the future, ready to play in the NHL. But here's the thing. We don't play them. We'd rather sit them on the end of the bench, penalize them, put them on the fourth line down in the AHL, Instead of playing them and put guys like Mac Lurito or, you know, any other ham and egg or that we just pick up and give them first line spots. Yeah, you're talking Matt Lurito. I think you said Mac, Mac but yeah. Matt Lurito, grumpy old man. And that being said, uh, with Bridgeport, I think you do bring up interesting points, right? Our team last season, I think, was the lowest scoring team in the AHL. Maybe we weren't the lowest. I think we were the lowest definitely in our division. We were bereft of scoring ability at Bridgeport. Our team wasn't very successful either. Again, we haven't won a we have not won a playoff series in Bridgeport or even for the Islanders AHL affiliate. I think in something like fifteen or twenty some odd years. I can't remember the exact number off top off the top of my head. Uh, but grumpy old man, we don't develop scoring down there in Bridgeport. But I think this what we're seeing here with these crop of young young Islander potential players like your Otto Koivlis, your Kiefer Bellows, your Oliver Wallstroms, your Simon Holmstroms. This is pertinent 
that these players actually hit and are successful here for the New York Islanders organization. I think definitely for Brent Thompson's security of his job, right? Because you have all these players, or younger players, who are performing somewhat successfully here in Bridgeport. If they can't make the step there to the NHL, to the Islanders organization, what necessarily is the point? And again, I understand Brett only has certain players he can work with, right? He's only given, and he, he tries to mold the players he's given. And the same token, grumpy old man. These are important times. He's got four guys, I think four forwards, really, that have a chance to be players and contributors to the Islanders roster. Again, I'll rename this. Off the top of my head, Oliver Wallstrom, Kiefer Bellows, Otto Koivla, and then Simon Holmstrom. Those are really the guys I look at to say, yes, these could be guys who are participators in the Islanders roster for a long time period. These are important players. They have to hit. They have no issue developing defensemen. The Islanders do a great job doing that. Yeah, but, you know, you mentioned – and I'm not blaming the coach, honestly. I can't blame the coach because we're not drafting any guys with really high-end talent. We're not. I mean, you don't, you, you talked about a handful of guys over the last, what, four, five, six years? That's not enough. And when you're reaching for guys like Holmstrom, when you had guys like McMichael or Tomasino or uh, Kaliev, all available scores, it's, it's awful tough. You're asking a guy to do something that they've never done before. And that's, I mean, that's just the way it is. Even this year in the third round, right? What do we, we don't take a flyer on somebody who could potentially score. No, we draft another third wing grinder who is, you know, are the 96th highest rated European prospect. And we pissed away a third round draft pick on him when he would have certainly been available two rounds later. I like the guy we drafted in the fifth round, Bill Four. At least show, he shows that he actually can score a little bit. That's what we – if you're going to take flyers on guys, you need to take flyers on guys who can score. It's something we don't have in this organization. We well, Grumpy, Grumpy, I'm going to interrupt you here. William DeFore is doing well so far in the queue this season. I think he plays for Drummondville. He's got, I think, some odd like 10-some-odd points, six goals, four assists through the first seven games of the season he's played. So he, he's off to a good start for certain. Grumpy, again, I – We've talked about it. I've got different philosophy. I'm not willing to say that a person was really a reach in the third round. Again, that's where things get crazy. And there's, you know, as much as you could say, hey, this person's projected to be selected here. When you when you get out of the first two rounds, really, it's a crapshoot as to where projections and where players would be selected. Uh, Tommy also says here, the kid I love the most is Bulldog. Yeah, uh, again, I think he's going to be he's going to be exactly what the Islanders like. He's a he does actually produce offensive production as well, Grumpy Old Man. I'm excited about him. Um, we have a lot of young defensemen in our pipeline, and we've talked about it before. When you have all that young talent on defense, I wouldn't be opposed to moving a guy that could help move it in the right direction there and add offensive acumen to our team. Remember, we've got Bodie Wild, We've got Grant Hutton. We've got even – I mean, overseas, a Grumpy Old Man. I'm blanking on his name. We drafted him in the second round. Robert Robin Salah, thank you. He's producing well as he's producing well also. We have a lot of young defensemen that you would love to see being a part of the Islanders. But again, you only have so many roster spots. And that's okay because we let go of Devon Taves to keep uh Nick Letty or Andy Green. Why give the why give the young guys a shot when we can just sign old retreads? Why? I mean, and here's the thing. I'm not opposed to bringing Andy Green back. I thought it was criminal that we kept Letty over Taves. I mean, that just it's just dumb. I know the Islanders view them as uh, the same type player, Letty and Taves. Uh, but, you know, the whole thing is Taves is five years younger. 
and uh, he makes a lot less money than than uh, Letty. But this to me, this organization values experience over talent. They just do uh, this current regime, and I, I just think in the end, it's going to want to bite you in the butt because talent wins. Talent wins championships. You can't throw anybody out there. And in answer to your question about not reaching the third round, so you would have been cool if they drafted me in the third round because it's a crapshoot? Probably not, I'm going to say. You probably would have hoped that it was somebody else. But, I mean, here's the thing. You don't need to draft a grinder in the third round. I, I just think it's a mistake. You draft your grinders down at the end. You t- if you're going to take a chance on somebody, you take a chance on somebody with high-end offensive talent. That's what I do. Those are the guys I take flyers on. Oh, grumpy old man. I, I will tell you this much, grumpy old man. We do definitely need to switch focuses a little bit in our drafts. Uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. We need to definitely have a few players hit. And Tommy brings it up here too. I think that we do need these. I mean, we have two second-round picks that we traded for Devontae's. As to what we're going to do with them, who knows. But I can tell you this much, bare minimum. We need to hit on those picks, and I don't disagree. If we want to keep those picks, we have to hit on them. I mean, we really have to start developing some offensive talent. And long-term, I really hope that Ruslan Ishikov still sticks with the Islanders organization. He's not, like, dis- dissatisfied here with North American hockey, perhaps. Um, so you have to hope that he sticks with us because, I mean, that's a second-round pick. Man, oh man, grumpy old man. If he if he says nope, I'm happy just staying home. I want to go back, you know, and play possibly for the KHL, which he did before he went to UConn. I mean, that's a huge miss. He's five foot seven. He's five foot seven. He's he's not his thing. I here's another prediction. He's not gonna play for us. I've he's, seen he's, I've seen five foot seven players be successful in the NHL. They have to be extremely skilled skaters, but I've seen them. They're more they're more few and far between, but they can be successful at that height and even more chance and likelihood of being successful in today's game than you know 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, for every TO Flurry, you have uh 30 uh Ruslan Isakovs. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I mean, like I said, we draft defense, but I mean you look at yeah, we have to hit on these draft picks. When was the last time we drafted a score? Since Lou Emerald's been here, we haven't drafted a score because I don't count the first year. I absolutely do not count the first year because he came in two weeks before the draft. So he didn't get to have his grubby little fingerprints all over all over the scouting staff. Now he's just saying, we don't want anybody with talent. We don't want the Philip Tomasinos. We don't want the Michaels. We don't want the Kaliev's. We don't got want guys who actually light up the scoreboard. I mean, what we want is guys, Han and Eggers, guys who we can lowball in contract negotiations. And then so we can overpay guys like Average Anders and Jordan Everly and Croc Nelson and Josh Bailey. That's what they want. Oh gosh, Grumpy. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna respond to it. We do have a comment also from Jeff Feinblum. He says, gents think about the Islanders' fourth line will look like when the puck drops in 2021. And what do you think the four lines should look like? Oh, Grumpy, that's a loaded question for you. I know exactly what your answer is going to be. <laughs> I mean, our lines are pretty much set, aren't they? I mean, let's be honest, right? The only, the only, the only thing we're going to have is maybe a winger on the third line. That's it. Every other sentence, every other spot is set. That's why I love when people say, "Oh, maybe we should bring Mike Hoffman in." Where's Mike Hoffman going to play? You're going to put him on the third line? He's a goal scorer. Why would you put him on third line? Well, again, we, we do have a goal scorer in, in John Gabriel Pajot on a third line grumpy old man to play devil's advocate. Um, and I'll put it like this, right? We do have contracts that are expiring there. And, you know, if we bring back Matt Martin next season 
or this for this season, he'll be off the roster. Um, really? He should have been off. He should have been off the roster this year. They love him. They keep up. It's the beer league at the New York Islanders. Well, you saw he. You saw a grumpy old man. He won the Bob Nystrom Award, correct, for the most hustle and, and I, exactly, you know, embodying here the guy who puts forth the most effort and everything like that. So we did win the award there, the Bob Nystrom Award for last season. Whoopie do. I don't care. What, is, what does that even mean? All right. So, we, I mean, Matt Martin is a shell of what he was. We don't need Matt Martin. We don't need Matt Martin at this point in, our, in his career. We don't. He's 32 years old. How I, many I don't disagree. We don't need Matt Martin. I will say this. To say he's a shell of him former self, it's a real tough argument to make right now after how well he played in the playoffs. I'm just saying – I'm not saying he's a shell of what he used to be. He's a different player, sure, and plays with a different brand. I certainly agree with that. We don't need Matt Martin when we have Ross Johnson. You're not going to see me argue, but I will argue if you say he's a shell of him former self. The production and the play that we saw in the playoffs – was it's hard to argue that he's a shell of him former self when he performed like that in the playoffs. He's absolutely a shell of what he used to be. He was a guy who was running around with his hair on fire, hitting everything that moved. He doesn't do that anymore. That's the player he was. He's he, it's it, that's my point, Grumpy. It's a different style. Well, guess what? He doesn't have any talent. All right, so he's getting he stands in front, the, the puck bangs off him a couple of times and goals go in. I mean, and this thing, I don't hate Matt Martin. I just think he's finished as a player. I mean, that's what happens when you have 32-year-old grinders on your team. Komarov is the same thing. Three years ago, he was really good, right? Or he was good enough. But now he's useless. But he's still got a spot on this time. Maybe he'll get a couple-year extension on that ridiculous four-year daily sign a couple of years ago. I mean, it just you can't spend money on the old guys. Invest in the young guys. Invest in your future. The team is absolutely loaded with character guys. We need talent. Not character. We have plenty of that. Grumpy old man. Well, we do also have a comment here from Tommy Baff. He says, I'd love to see Skerrick get a lot more time here in Bridgeport this season. Uh, the funniest thing, Grumpy, I was reading an article, and you know, I should have known as soon as I actually saw it that it was just one of those junk articles. I think they uh, they misspelled the title where it said, should we be giving up on Jakob Skerrick yet? And it, instead of up, they put PP. So they, they misspelled it, and I, I, I should have known already that it wasn't even worth the time that I read it with a grumpy old man. But, you know, it's funny to see people questioning goaltenders. Now, goalies are different, right? Goalies take a long time to develop. And Jakob Skarup, I think, just turned 20. He's young, or maybe he's 21. Okay, goalies take a lot of time to develop. And to give up or to say, hey, should we give up on a young goalie just because his point production isn't terrific and he's not playing well overseas right now, I think it was just comical. But, yeah, I, I think he does need to see a lot more time there in Bridgeport this season. I do agree. Yeah, why not? I mean, here's the thing. If Sorokin pans out, it doesn't matter if Skerrick, what Skerrick does. He's not going to play for this team. We'll bring in some veteran to be a backup, which is optimally what you want. You want to have uh, – unless you plan on moving – unless he's so sensational that you can move him for something else. I mean, but for the big team – what uh, optimally what you'd like, you'd like um, uh, Provolimov to be the backup. That's what you'd want. Or some other veteran. And Sorokin's your starter for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years. Well, if, if Sorokin if Sorokin feels comfortable, optimally, you don't want to have to be tied to Varlamov's contract too long term. If he plays well enough, you know, again, you know, for argument's sake, if if Varlamov plays well enough next season to say, hey, I'm still starter worthy, and Sorokin plays exactly as advertised, 
there's no reason for us to have a two-headed monster like that if you could find a cheaper route. Again, I think obviously with Boychuk retiring and probably getting put, placed on long-term injury, um, I think that does help out our cap situation substantially as to where we were even a few weeks ago. Uh, and, and that being said here, Grumpy, you mentioned where would Mike Hoffman play? Tommy does have an idea. He says Hoffman plays with Barzal and Everly drops to play with Pajot. And again, and Grumpy, when we talk about this, where would Hoffman play? I think you're looking more at the immediate of what would what would the ramifications be? Because remember, we're going to lose a player in the expense of the new Seattle Kraken. So I've heard names have you know, been floated around out there like Jordan Everly. I've even heard someone mention possibly Josh Bailey. Great. I'd love for Josh Bailey to be snatched by them. Actually, no, seriously, though, Josh Bailey is the type of player – that an expansion team would like. Yep. Um, he's a solid citizen. He's a jack of all trades. He's not great. I mean, you know, I mean, I bag on him, but you know, he's. I think he's. I think he's a, a an above average third line player. That's where I think he really is. With uh, on a bad team to be a second liner, but he's such a solid citizen, and teams need that, especially expansion teams that teach guys how to play the game. Well, I was about to say, he's a true professional, first off. He's a guy who does perform as much as you don't like him. And see, now TJ's internet keeps on going in and out. And that's fine because usually he would always beg on me like it's my fault for some reason, but it's always his fault. I'm going to go, this is what he probably wanted to say about Josh Bailey. He probably wanted to say that Josh Bailey sucks and that he doesn't deserve to even have a spot in the NHL, where I'm a little bit more lenient towards Josh. I just want him playing somewhere else. No, Grumpy. Again, oh my my goodness, my internet, Grumpy old man. Hopefully I got to get something fixed and sorted with that. Uh, but no, I was going to say, Grumpy old man, uh, with Josh Bailey, I think that he, on an expansion team, I think he's he's a piece that they love. He's His cap hit isn't outrageous. Um, he's, again, a true professional, and I think he can teach younger guys and help mold a franchise. I don't want to lose Josh Bailey. Let me put it like that. I don't think he's a guy where I'm like, oh, my gosh, we need Josh Bailey in order to be successful this season. But just as Barry Trott says, he is a Swiss Army knife, and I think he does everything well. I never feel uncomfortable when Josh Bailey's on the penalty kill. I never feel uncomfortable when he's on the power play. I don't feel like Josh Bailey's a liability in any facet of his game. So that's and again, like players like that, you don't want to lose for nothing. Okay. But if if it if it hinders us having to go ahead and give up significant draft capital to get you know to to move a player there in the in the expansion draft, I'm not opposed to it. Or to say, hey, you know, we don't want you to take X Y Z player, so you know we'll kind of force your hand and who to select, like we had to do in the past there with the Vegas Golden Knights. You're only losing one guy. It doesn't matter who you lose off of this team. I mean, whoever they protect, uh, like I said, if I was them, I got to figure they're not going to protect Scott Mayfield. I would hope that they would, um, and they expose Letty. Um, but they love Letty in this organization. They they don't care. I mean, I would not. I wouldn't be surprised to see them or them offer him a ridiculous deal to stay after this one's up. But I'll be on the. You're right. There's no way they're going to part ways with Nick Letty. I think Barry Trotz likes Nick Letty. He does. He likes Nick Letty. I don't think he's going to let Nick Letty go if he has his say. Well, and that's the thing. They kept Letty over Taves, which which I think was a, a really a blunder. I, I just think that was a blunder. It was a bad trade. And, you know, we can talk about that some other time. But, I mean, when we're going into – who, what are you looking for as an expansion team, right? 
I'm looking for cost-effective defensemen, which is what Scott Mayfield is. He's a top-four defenseman on a team that plays good defense. I don't think Scott May – and I've always been a fan of Scott Mayfield. He's not the greatest defenseman in the world. Um, or you're looking for veteran leadership. That's what you're looking for. And you do have to get to a salary cap floor. And I think Josh Bailey or uh, Nick Letty or Scott Mayfield, those are the guys that they're going to look for. I mean, I don't think they're going to look at anybody else if I was the Kraken. Those are the type of guys I'm looking at. Again, I don't think that I don't think that uh, Nick Letty's even going to be made available. I think they're definitely going to protect him. Um, and I, Tommy does mention something. And again, we, I do like the Volontaves. I think he's a good skater. I think he does have offensive acumen, and he brings up. I don't think Taves was a fit or a fits his system that great. You're, and I don't necessarily disagree. I think that I think Taves fits Colorado's system <laughs> way better than he fits our system. But that doesn't mean he's not beneficial or an asset to this defense. And Taves fits what the modern NHL is. A guy who plays good enough defense, who can move the puck. And that's what he does extremely well. I mean, he was our quarterback on the power play. Think about it now. Who's going to be your quarterback on the power play? Nick Letty? He won't shoot the puck from the point. I mean, you can't. And then you got, then you earlier you mentioned, you know, there's nothing that Josh Bailey doesn't do well or, you know, doesn't do poorly. He won't shoot the puck. You can't have guys like that on your power play. Whenever you see a guy who won't shoot the puck, it means everybody else sluts off. They don't have to worry about him shooting, so they don't have to guard him. I mean, it's like in any sport, right? No one has to move up on Josh Bailey. Nobody has to move up on Nick Letty on the power play. Why? Because they won't shoot the puck. And that's part of the reason why our power play is so bad. You have to have everybody who's willing to shoot the puck. Why do you think Anthony Bavillier – I mean, you think Anthony Bavillier is the greatest shot in the world? No. But he's willing to shoot that puck. And I'm going to tell you what, Noah Dobson is not afraid to shoot that puck, and he always puts it on target. Not a big slap shot. But I tell you what, that puck always gets through and it always creates rebounds. I want that kid to be our power play leader this year. I don't know if he's automatically going to be thrust into that role, grumpy old man, but I have no problem at all with him grooming him for that position and giving him opportunities. I don't know if he's going to be the power play leader or the power play quarterback like you'd like him to be right away. I think that's going to be, you know, it's going to take more time. Well, then don't expect any power play goals. Because I mean, our power play was a complete failure the last two seasons. And I'll admit that I was wrong. Two years ago, I thought maybe Scott Gomez had more to do with it than the actual cast and crew. And after looking at how we performed last year on the power play, nope. I could say it wasn't Scott Gomez's fault. It was more definitely the cast and crew and the players that we had out there on the ice in the system that we ran. I, the, or correction, then the system that we ran. It wasn't Scott Gomez's issue. It was more the players. Absolutely. Because wh Why? But think about it. Why? We don't have any goal scorers on this team. We just don't. We're a bunch of ham and eggers, with the exception of Matt Barzal and maybe Anthony Bavillier. We're just we're just a bunch of team of jags. And guess what? That's not conducive to having a good power play. I mean, yeah, Trotz was able to get away with that system in Washington. That's what happens when you have Backstrom and Ovechkin on your team or uh, Tom Wilson standing in front of the net. Uh, you know, and you got, uh, you know, Carlson at the point. Those are different. They, those guys are all supremely more talented than anybody we have on this team. That's why he could get away with that style that he ran in Washington. But you can't do that here because we don't have the talent. And uh, one thing about the Josh Bailey, about potentially losing him, that opens up a spot for an Oliver Wallstrom. 
Oliver Wallstrom is not a third-line player, okay? He's a guy who should be playing as a trigger man with Matt Barzal and drop down Anders Lee. And if you have to lose Josh Bailey or Anders Lee, so be it. I mean, I would certainly – I would never protect Lee in the next expansion draft. No one's going to take him in that contract. You don't even need to worry about it. So that's a guy that I would not protect. You only protect young players. You don't protect old players. It's dumb. I, I'll put it like this. Even if they were to expose Lee, I don't think Lee's a guy that they would even really be interested in. I really don't. I mean, unless he really performs this season, I I don't think he is. I And it's unfortunate. I think – I think Lee is a, a good hockey player, and I love him for everything he does for the team and the organization and what he performs as the actual captain and how much blood and grit he puts into the game. That being said, it's unfortunate he has to play with Matt Barzal. Their game styles don't mix. Absolutely. We've talked about it before. They don't mix. Absolutely. Like Tommy mentioned before, how Taves wasn't a good fit for this system. I disagree with that. I think he's a fit for any system in the NHL. But Anders Lee is not a fit with Matt Barzal. He never has been. To me, Anders Lee's talent level is second-line winger. I think he'd be real good as a second-liner. He's not a first-line guy. Uh, he's a second-line guy. And he always works well with Nelson and Bailey. I would never break that lineup. They produce together. They all have the same similar styles in the way that they play. That's why you keep them together. Barzal is like he's operating out there by himself most of the time because Lee's you know, five or him and he and Eberle are in the offensive zone, and there's Lee hauling the ice wagon over center ice, uh, five seconds behind. I mean, it just, it, it just, it's just not a fit for that line where he was perfect. Lee was absolutely perfect with John Tavares because they played similar games. And the fact that this coaching staff doesn't see it is just astounding to me, honestly. Well, yeah, we also I do agree with you, Grumpy Man, and we've talked about it, right? John Tavares was definitely more of a suit than or better suit for Andrews Lee than Matt Barzal is. And I think the point production, it Andrews Lee's not a creator. We've talked about it. He's more of a finisher. He's a guy who does a great job of redirecting shots that are thrown towards the net or towards the area and a good job of of uh, pounding and rebounds. When Matt Barzal is more of a guy who he wants to have the perfect wide open net where he could just pass the puck into the net because he likes to go ahead and create separation with skating and exploiting passing lanes, etc. So it, I, I think, again, they're not a good fit for each other, at least to, to being successful. We also have a comment here uh, by Scott. He says, uh, when you mentioned earlier, Grumpy Old Man, about why not try to trade Nick Letty, he says maybe second didn't want Letty uh, and wouldn't do the deal unless he got tapes. I, well, I, I'm not willing to ignore that. I absolutely agree with that. Who would want Nick Letty? Not me. Who would want a 31-year-old defenseman who makes $5.5 million a year, whose game is diminished mightily over the last three or four years? And, well, you could get a guy who Devon Taves, the ceiling is high for him. He's only played a year and a half in the NHL. He, and he was our leading He was our leading defensive point scorer in the playoffs. And he was tied. Him. He was he was tied for yeah. He was tied, but he was tied for the lead for defenseman point production. Okay, in the okay. You can't be and he's and he was our power play quarterback. You dealt him away for a bag of pucks. I mean, that in that, that's in essence what you did because we mismanaged the cap and we had to deal away a young player. I mean, well, those two, are just facts. Well, two two second two second round picks. I wouldn't say they're bag of pucks. They're two second round picks from field man. And I know this is going to make you happy, but Jeff finally also says I need to find a way to trade Jordan Everly. Who take him? 
He's 30 years old and has four more years left at, what, five and a half per. Who's going to trade for guys like that? That's what happens when you sign those guys to those contracts. No one is going to trade for them. They're just, why would they? Especially in this, with the salary cap being flat for two years, who's going to trade for those guys? Absolutely no one. Just like I said, right? Grumpy old man, have patience, have patience. We're going to be able to make deals. We're not making any deals. We don't have capability, and now no one has cap money. The Kraken has cap money, but guess what? Everybody else next year is going to be in the same boat. Everyone's going to be going to them, and they have better players that the Kraken might want as opposed to guys on our team because we don't have a whole lot of skilled talent on this team that we want to move. Well, grumpy old man. <laughs> you hit the same points almost every podcast. Because, you know what? because it's true. It's true. But now I'm throwing the Kraken in there. Because the Kraken will have money next year. Absolutely, they'll have money. But think about how many players are going to be on the market, right? You're going to need teams to get under the salary cap. So you're going to say, oh, okay, they're going to have their choice of who they want and what they can give up to get him and what how much salary they can take on. They're definitely going to have that advantage. I'll tell you this much, and I, I don't disagree with that, and that's why I think you could leave Lee exposed. I don't think they would even entertain the possibility in taking that contract. So essentially it does go ahead and secure um, one less player you have to protect. I don't think they would take it. And again, that's what I'm saying. Unless Lee goes off and, and goes on an absolute tear this year, I think there's no way they would even entertain that contract. And here's the thing. Even if they did, let's say you had a great year. Who cares? He's going to be 31 in the following year with five more years at $7 million per. You're right. Who would want him? No one's going to take him. You only expose players that you think could be picked, young players, right? Those are the guys you don't, that, you want to, that you want to protect. You, who cares if you expose guys over 30 years old? You're not going to pick them. If you want a team to be good, why would you pick a guy who's on the downside of his career? It makes no sense. Yeah, and again, like when you're tied, not only just the cap that he's tied to, but also the amount and the length of the contract too. So I don't remember he's also. I know I think through the first two seasons he also had that uh, modified no move or modified no trade. I can't remember off the top of my head, but again, that would be after two years since he signed that original contract. But yeah, and again, I, it's the same old stuff, Grumpy. Right? You know, it, it bothers me that Lamarillo and before him Snow were giving away you know, no trade and no move clauses like candy. What does it tell you? We never win anything and no one wants to leave. That means they got it pretty good here on the island. They got a pretty cushy lifestyle. That's all I got to say. I mean, if you got to get put a no move contract on a guy for him to stay, mm, okay, is that really a guy I want? No, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, optimally, grumpy old man, we shouldn't have those problems. Remember, there were so many sects of the Islanders fan community that were talking that, you know, the reason why we couldn't go ahead and get and entice players to the island without giving them, you know, more money and then giving them these modified no trade and no move clause was because oh, it's so it's so dreary. The the actual stadium isn't great, right? We shouldn't have that issue anymore. We got a state of the art stadium coming through, so it's really tough to make any of those type of excuses um, as to why we can't go ahead and net, you know, big name players. The stadium has no bearing on anything, I don't think. Players go where the money is. They're there to get paid. They only have so many years that they can make the money. I don't blame a player for taking anything they can. Players don't go somewhere, particularly younger players. They want to get paid. That's the bottom line. You know, winning Stanley Cups is great, but 
the bottom. They here's the thing: you don't see guys taking one dollar to play somewhere to win a Stanley Cup. Absolutely not. They want to get paid. I mean, you know, another thing, you know, Anders Lee reminds me a little bit of a really, really, really poor man's Dave Anderchuk. I the funny thing is, I knew you were about to say Dave Anderchuk. I Absolutely. knew it. But here's the thing: he's nowhere near as good as Dave Anderchuk was in front of the net. But here's the thing. With Matt Barzell, Dave Anderchuk wouldn't have worked with him either. That's why people were all year, Patrick Line, Patrick Line. Why? Because Patrick Line is a sniper. That's who you need to put with Matt Barzell. So he can create, 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 hit the open man and have a sniper bury the puck. Oliver Wallstrom is the guy optimally that you want to be playing with Matt Barzell because he's a sniper. Funny you mention it because I was I was waiting for the perfect time to go ahead and show the comment. But Tommy also says here, I see Wallstrom eventually being a perfect power forward to play with Barzal. Yeah, but here's the thing. That's not going to happen with this regime because if they're ripping Matt Barzal, they're going to be ripping Oliver Wallstrom because he doesn't play enough defense either. See, that that's the one problem I have. Yeah, it's great when you have a certain system. We don't score enough. I mean, until you score goals, you're not – you go down two goals, game's over. You might as well, hey, hey, honey, I'm coming up to bed early tonight. Game's over. We gave up two goals in the first period. Good night. <laughs> um, I think we're being a little bit over the top, Grumpy. I, I will say usually when we go down, though, it's especially when we go down multiple goals, it's usually a, a, a tall order for us to go ahead and amount to come back. Right. I mean, we grind. I mean, they're, we're a team of grinders is what we are. And that's when we do come back, we're able to do that. But, you know, you got we don't have enough players with innate talent to get us over the hump. We just don't. And until we do, we're going to be in the same, the same treadmill. Like I said, this shortened season works for us. 80-game season does not work for this team. I, it, it just doesn't. We don't uh, – we're too old, uh, and our style that we play is not conducive to long – uh, to 120 game seasons, just not. So, like I said, I thought that our best chance to win was last season coming back from, uh, you know, the layoff. And uh, this season is probably going to be our best chance going forward. After that, blow the team up and start over. Well, after that, I think we have – we've got some of those older players who come off those contracts. And again, not all of them, but we do have some more cap freed up there. We do have some of those older players leaving there, and that will go ahead and actually help us out long-term, grumpy old man. Again, as to, as to how much it helps us, i unsure because I, I've heard rumors that, you know, Cal Clutterbuck might be towards the end of his career. And again, he's got two years left on his contract, but I – I've heard things where they say, you know, he still doesn't have full feeling left in his fingers, and he's he's thought about, you know, calling things before in the past. I was absolutely shocked when I was told that, and I and again, I, I'm not sure exactly as to how true it is. I've been told it, uh, but he's a guy who, again, he plays a really really tough style, and he's taken a lot of hits and a lot of miles on him, and he, he doesn't have the biggest body either for the style that he plays. He's not the biggest. I I would be shocked if he were to retire early. But I, I think after two seasons, I, I find it really hard to think that he would still be part of the New York Islanders organization or even possibly even playing in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, once again, another guy in his 30s making, you know, over $3 million a year and he plays on the fourth line. It's just, you know, you can't – that's not the way to manage a cap. Casey Zizekas is done after – his contract's done after this year, right? Bye-bye, Casey. I mean, I don't care how good he's been. I love Casey Zizekas, 
but, you know, he's hurt all the time too. Uh, there's only one year when he's been healthy for the majority of the year. It was two years ago when he had a career year, and he settled back to what he is, a fourth-line grinder. It's what he is. You don't sign guys like that to, contract, to contracts for term at over 3 or $4 million a year. You just don't do it. Would it surprise me if we did it? Absolutely not. <laughs> and, again, I don't disagree with Casey, you know, being out of the picture after this season, even though, again, he's played some really good hockey for us. I think he maybe has a year or two of good hockey still left. But to think about it, right, Otto Koivula needs a spot up there in the NHL. It's time to see what he's got. Time to see if he can go ahead and foot the bill as a regular center night in, night out. You know, our center spots are filled, right? You've got Brock Nelson signed long-term. Ideally, you want Matt Barzal signed long-term. And we have Jean-Gabriel Pajot signed long-term. And as we need to continue to cut costs, having younger players who can enter again on those cheaper contracts is is more cost-effective than having to pay uh, a Casey Zizekas really based off of prior performances. Well, but that's the whole thing. They had that option with Matt Martin this year and with Andy Green, right? And what did they do? They re-signed them as opposed to letting the young guys play. That's just the way this organization is. They value experience more than they do talent. And they, they, uh, that's all they care about as far as, hey, we know what you're going to do. We want certainty in what we're going to do out there. Those are teams that they – you know what? The Islanders don't play to win. They play not to lose. And teams like that are not successful in the long run. Well, we do have something here from Jeff Feinblum as well. He says, how about these line combinations here? Barzal, Bavillier, Johnston, Lee, Nelson, Bailey, Wallstrom, uh, Pajot, and then either Broussard, uh, Bellows, or maybe even Acquisition, uh, Martin, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, uh, Kiefer, or Adam Pellick and Polak, and then uh, Nick Letty and Scott Mayfield, and then Andy Green and Noah Dobson. The defensive pairings, I think definitely there's no real mix-up with that. I just find it hard to believe that they would give Ross Johnson any type of first-line ice time just because he never really gets that much time on the ice. Maybe this is for 2021, a prediction perhaps, or maybe this is this year. I'm not exactly sure. No, but it's, I, it's this year because I know Jeff hates uh, Jordan Everly. So <laughs> uh, I would love to see Barzell, Bavillier, and Everly back. That line produced, and I don't know why he broke him up, but he did. Uh, I'm happy with the Nelson, Lee, and Bailey line. Wallstrom's not going to make the team. Um, Pajot, and they're going to bring Broussard back, and you're going to see Leo Komarov play too. Um, and then the fourth line is going to be the fourth line. I think the defense pairings are exactly that are shown there. Uh, I don't think we're going to make an acquisition. Absolutely not. Uh, but I, I, I think what you're going to see is same old, same old. You're going to see Barzell. Lee and Everly up front, uh, Nelson, Bailey, Bavillier. You're going to have Pajot, Komarov, and Broussard, maybe with some bellows thrown in. And then Martin Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Pella Pulak, Lenny Mayfield, and Green Dobson. And I don't have a problem, honestly, with the defense pairings, but I think Green Dobson should be your second pair, not your third. And again, I, I'm, I think maybe we might see them grow into the second pair. I don't think they're going to be given the second pair right off the bat. And again, kind of getting back to the point, Johnson, I mean, he barely gets playing time now. Most time was a healthy scratch. I don't think he's going to go from, I mean, even when he did play, he played less minutes than the majority of the Islanders on his, or the majority of the teammates on his line. I don't think he's going to get thrust into a first line role 
um, there with Barzal and Bavillier. I do think Johnson actually has a little bit of offensive touch, which is the odd thing about him. He's a big guy who has some offensive touch and really has a lot of grit to him, and he's not afraid to throw the gloves down with anybody. So, you know, and you see that type of lineup, you know, they give that even with the Blackhawks back in the day when you had their Taves and Patrick Kane, you always had a big guy. I think it was uh, Befuglin was there or Befuglin, I'm messing up his name. Uh, Dustin was there um, and he used to go ahead and play amongst that line as well. Um, So I'm not opposed for something like that. I just don't think it's going to happen. His name is Bufflin. Bufflin. Um, But, you know, Ross Johnson is an interesting case, though, for me. He, if they really wanted him to play, they wouldn't assign Matt Martin back. If they really wanted him to play, they wouldn't assign Matt Martin back. To me, why did you sign him to a four-year contract extension two years ago if you have no intention of playing him? It just, it's some, like some of the things they do are just, they just, they're just baffling to me. It's like they don't have a plan. The plan is no plan. Let's just roll the same guys out every year. I mean, that's what it seems like the plan is for me. Well, here you go. And we've talked about this before. Tommy also agrees here, grumpy old man. Lou brings the kids along slowly. It's a staple of his history. Yeah. I don't disagree. That definitely is how he goes ahead and conducts a team and organization. And you look at players who lead the organization, they take off somewhere else. I mean, that was that was the case in Washington. Absolutely it was. I mean – well, Verona, I think you're talking specifically about uh, Trotz slowly integrating in Verona and using him kind of as a whipping boy. Uh, Verona's had some issues this last season. Again, I think he's an extremely offensively talented player. I don't watch enough Washington Capitals games to say, hey, what Lou Lamerlo was doing was correct or incorrect with how much or how little playing time Verona received his last year as a head coach there. And Burkowski as well. I mean, he had to go to Colorado before he didn't. He turned out being a really good player. Some guys just need a chance. They don't want to give guys chances. That's, see, that's the thing that frustrates me. We don't want to. I mean, in Toronto, Lamarillo was forced to do that. They were forced to play the young guys, and it turned out okay for them. I mean, Toronto, Toronto was an absolute cellar dweller for years and years and years. Now they're a consistent playoff performer every year. They don't, uh, win, because, they don't win because they don't have enough defense. That's why they don't win. But no one can say they don't have the offensive talent on that team. No one can say that. Yeah. Again, I've got mixed feelings about Toronto. They definitely don't have the defense. They don't have the gene to win either in the playoffs. They're in a very, very tough division. I mean, think about it. Their division's full of the Boston Bruins and the the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, those are two of your top five teams mostly year in and year out. And it's tough for Toronto, I guess, to really get any type of movement being in that division. It's unfortunate because I do think they have a talented squad. They have no defense, though, as you mentioned. Tommy also said this, as we talked about last podcast, one sleeper move to watch is Chara. Yeah. Why? I mean, is Chara going to want to come here to, what, be a seventh defenseman? I mean – or I, maybe I split or even split time. Again, I'm not sure. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. We're going to start finding out how all the pieces are going to lay because hockey's going to start back up mid-January, thank God. Uh, grumpy old man, though. I know we're about at an hour and 15 minutes, grumpy old man. Is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap up today's podcast? No, I'm just I'm just uh, happy that it looks like finally we're going to get the season going. Um, and, you know, think about it. That's like only a month away. It's really not that far away. It's hard to believe that we're already almost in like in the middle of December now, aren't we? What what is this? Oh, it's the it's the oh, end of December. 
Or right around the middle. Okay, yeah, it's the beginning of December. Oh, wow. December 5th. I don't know. I thought it was later than that. Shows, shows you where my mind is, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always, Grumpy. My pleasure. And thank you for everybody who participated in the live stream. Again, we love to interact with everybody who listens here. We love to be a part there of the live stream. We love to, to see everybody. And, and the regulars also tuning in and, and commenting here. A uh, big thank you there to those guys. And, and thank you, Grumpy Old Man. I'm looking forward to jumping off of this and jumping on to record our Thursday podcast after this. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to tell anybody, if you want to send TJ any comments uh, about um, any of the draft stuff that we're going to talk about, I think this week on Thursday, we're going to be talking about maybe the sixth and seventh round draft picks in Islander history. And then as well as anybody after the seventh round, which would mean uh, eight through 12 uh, from the Islanders' inception until the year 2005. And we're going to touch on all that. And the one thing that I found interesting when going through that, because I always thought, my gosh, the Islanders, we're really good drafting low in the draft. We're not. Looking <laughs> all the draft picks in history, we're not. So we were much – it just shows you what a genius Bill Torrey was. was, was That's all. <laughs> well, thank you, Grumpy, and thank you for being a part of the podcast. And thank you to listeners here to the live stream. We're tuning off here and going to record our Thursday podcast.